Hi, guys, and welcome back to our podcast, Healing the Broken Marriage. I'm Alicia. And I'm Brian. And we are so excited that you guys are joining us for this journey of uh, pursuing a healthy marriage. Um, we hope you had an amazing week with the, with the ones that you love. Um, in our last podcast, we told you a little bit about ourselves and the vision that we have for this podcast moving forward. So really excited about this, aren't you, babe? Yes, we do. I know. So this week, um, as I've been planning the episode, I was just thinking to myself, and I wish I would have had this resource when we were struggling in our marriage. And I just feel like I want to speak to all the symbolic Alicia's out there that feel like that maybe that you're drowning in hopeless marriages. Listen to my story. Um, I've experienced almost every emotion you can think of. And what I found through it all is even when it appears hopeless, there is still hope. So if you know someone who's struggling in their marriage, please share this episode. Because let me tell you guys, we are jumping in the deep end of the pool today. So are you excited about going deep today? Yeah, it depends on how deep we go. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were growing up, was you one of those kids that would just run and jump into the deep end of the pool? No. No? I could only swim if my feet were touching the bottom. (laughs) So basically you couldn't swim, right? I still don't jump in the deep end. You know (laughs) that. You still don't. So, well, today... We're going to be going into the deep end. Um, We're going to dive right into our testimony story. And I'm really excited for you guys to hear the redemption side of things. But every time I hear the word redemption, it means that there was something that needed redeemed. And that is definitely our story. We were a marriage that needed redeemed. Um, We have a lot of topics that we want to go over this season. And today we want to start with something uh, not too heavy. So we're going to talk about betrayal. Not heavy at all, right? No, no, it's not heavy. <laughs> I bet when a bunch of you just had someone's face flash through your mind when I said the word betrayal. I did. You did? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> not you, though. Oh, good. Okay, great. <laughs> so... When you think of the word betrayal, what is it anyways? So, I mean, I think most of us know, but I looked at Merriam-Webster and it says betrayal is the act of betraying someone or something or the fact of being betrayed, a violation of a person's trust or confidence, betrayal of a moral standard, revelation of something hidden, backstabbing, disloyalty, unfaithfulness, and infidelity. So <laughs> I think after hearing this, I don't think anyone grows up and says, I would like that in my bio. I want to hurt this person and that person. I don't believe it's something that someone desires to do or become. What do you think? No, I don't think so. I yeah. Think it's just, I think it's always a plan of the enemy. Yeah, absolutely. You're trying to hurt people around you that you're closest to. I think yeah. that's the the biggest form of betrayal. Yeah. And I know some of you may not have experienced 
betrayal on the level that we're going to talk about. And some of you may have experienced worse, but our whole point of sharing our story is not to air our dirty laundry. Trust me when I say that. (laughs) We are sharing this so that you can see the depth of the darkness so that you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And through this podcast, we want to be that light for you who are in that dark place right now. So, Brian, what do you think? You want to start things off for us? Sure. All right. So we married young. Yep. Which is always hard, I think, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm. Because you're still teenagers. We were still teenagers. Yeah, we're kids. We're only 18. So we go from relying on our parents to pretty much relying on each other. It was a big change. And maybe in the first day, first few days, first few weeks, you know, I mean, it was a huge transition being under our parents' wings to all of a sudden we're looking to each other to try to fill, you know, our needs. Yeah. So, I mean, we were only 18. Um, it was a perfect wedding. Yeah, it was. My mom would agree because she did the whole wedding. Yeah. And my cousin <laughs> did the catering. Yeah. Ice yeah. sculptures. Yeah, it was really pretty. Food. Um, yeah, it was pretty. Yeah. I mean, we just thought. It was, was going to be uphill from there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, obviously, you know, our story, you know, after a few years, I, th- I think we, we had, th- there was a lot of tension in the, even the first year or two, we were just mm-hmm. trying to hope it would work itself out. Yeah. And then things just kind of start spiraling out of, out of control and unraveled at that point. Yeah. So what would you say, thinking back, looking back at those beginning years, those are like foundational years in your marriage. What would you say when you say things started to unravel? Like what would you say was unraveling at that point? Well, I think first and foremost, probably is our relationship with God. Yeah. You know, we were just kind of, we both had a really good foundation, you know, godly parents, grandparents, but I don't, I don't even feel like it was the rebellion thing where they say a lot of times if you're raised in church, the kids tend to, you know, run from God away, you know, at first when they get out. I don't feel like that's what it was either. Because we still went to church. Of course, a lot of times we went to church because we felt obligated. (laughs) My dad was a pastor. (laughs) If we were ever gone, he was like, are y'all sick? (laughs) So, but, you know, we had our highs and lows even then with our relationship with God. You know, there's times we was on fire and times we wasn't and times we wanted to go and times we didn't want to go, but we didn't want him calling asking where you're at. So. But I think we just got, you know, we got to the point where we just thought we could make it on our own. Yeah. It seemed like everybody else around seemed to make it on their own somehow. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I think that was the first big mm-hmm. downfall. So what would you say after we got married and several years into it, how would you describe our relationship with God during that time? You feel like we were walking with him I don't closely. Think it was a relationship. Yeah. I think we were doing the whole we had the whole belief of good people go to heaven. 
and people go to church, go to heaven. You know what I'm saying? Right. You punch I mean, your Sunday card. You, there, there was, I don't, you know, there was no relationship with God like we have now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel that church is important to go and fellowship with others, but now I do. But then it was just kind of like, yeah, punching your time card. Yeah. Going in, you was there on Sunday and you're living the life you should because you was a church. Mm-hmm. And it stopped there. I mean, I know for myself, I didn't have the relationship with God Monday through, you know, Sunday like I do now. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah, I kind of forgot about him until Saturday night rolled around. I knew church was the next day. And I was like, we we went into church and was like, hey, God, and said goodbye to him on the way out. Yep. And we didn't talk Pretty to him much. again until the next Sunday. Kept rolled around. Yeah. So um, just kind of expounding, I think, on you know, your perspective of our beginning years. My perspective on our first years of marriage was, yeah, we were married young. We really didn't know what we were doing, <laughs> what we were doing. We were like, we'll just live on love. And um, it works for a little bit. But yeah, I agree. I think several years into it, um, we just started to you know, walk away from those foundational things that we had learned in our lives. You know, we just, all of a sudden, you know, I didn't have the accountability of my parents any longer. You didn't have the accountability. Right. And we just abandoned that. And I think for me, you know, all of a sudden being thrown into this whole um, storyline of now I'm a wife. (laughs) So, what does a wife look like? And I feel like my experiences of how I grew up, those can shape your expectations for your spouse. Like for instance, in my home, um, my parents were very affectionate, very loving, almost inappropriate, <laughs> inappropriate times. Kind of like we are now. Oh, right. Like we are now. As our kids say, they yeah. say they're saying the same things. They now. do. And I'm okay with that. But they um, were just over the top, affectionate, loving. And my dad was just, you know, my mom um, was his world and everyone knew it. And so I came into the marriage expecting already that that is what our marriage is going to look like. That's who you were going to be to me. And if you weren't going to be like that, then we were going to have some troubles. (laughs) So I came from a pretty stable home. Um, There was some some religiousness to it. Um, We had a very, very strict, you know, no alcohol, no secular music. There's nothing about no alcohol. What'd you say? I said there's nothing wrong with no alcohol. I know. I'm right. You're right. But I'm just saying um, there was absolutely no tolerance for anything worldly. In my home, I felt very protected. And in a way, I felt unprepared when I went out to the world. Um, I knew the things that we were doing inside of our marriage was wrong. The things that we had allowed in. We had allowed some alcohol usage in. And I knew it was wrong. And um, I kept, but I kept pushing that, you know, that voice inside that kind of lets you know what you're doing probably isn't okay. 
Well, I kept pushing that down. And the further you push it down, the less I would notice it and the quieter it would become. And that voice is the Holy Spirit inside. But I just continued to choose not to listen to that voice and chose to walk deeper into darkness. That was pretty much both of our story. Yep. But one thing I learned is that God never leaves us. We leave him. And that's pretty much what we did. So once we walked away from God, that became an open door for the enemy to come in. Then the enemy came in and he brought a big bag with him. And this bag included adultery, pornography, drunkenness, drug abuse, verbal mental abuse, rejection, and the list goes on. So, Brian, yes. <laughs> I just want to ask you a kind of a difficult question. 90, 90% of those was mine. Just wow. so you know. <laughs> Probably 95% was mine. I was some of that as well. But Not very much, though. <laughs> so, this is a little bit of a difficult question, but I think, I think it's very valid. I think that people need to hear. Um, what was the open door for the enemy to come into your life? Um, I think there were several things. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think in the beginning, well, we, I know in the beginning, Satan wanted to take me out anyways, because, you know, I about died when I was a baby yeah. as a newborn. So it's kind of like I was marked. And then, you know, deep down, we both know we were meant for each other, you know, from day one when we've seen each other. So that was the second plan he had, you know, to take us both out because I truly believe we're, we're made for each other in a lot of ways, you know, not only each other in marriage, but in spirit too, yeah. you know, in ministry. Um, I think he knew our potential. But, you know, just getting away from, I think pride, a lot of it was pride, you know, I, I knew right and wrong for sure, but I thought I could do it on my own. Um, you know, starting out, you know, we, there were job opportunities and promotions and, you know, some financial blessings, you know, that if we didn't know then it was God probably, and we'd honored him and give him the glory instead of running with it and being materialistic and living for the world, you know, the outcome might've been different. I'm sure it would have been without a doubt, but you know, and then there was alcohol, you know, the drinking. I mean, it's just, I know that's kind of a gray area for a lot of people in the church, but I mean, you know, no matter what church I stand in and speak, you know, I'm, speak the same. I'm totally against it because yeah. it almost destroyed our lives. Yeah. It was a huge seed and you know, it still chokes me up today. And you know, there's people that say that they don't do it around their kids or what have you. And you know, they don't, but you know, like I've, I've used the illustration of, you know, how many times do you throw scraps out in the yard and the next spring you got a tomato plant or a potato plant coming up. 
and you don't even realize you threw it out there and you planted that seed, but you see what happens later. And, you know, that's the kind of way I believe with alcohol, you know, no matter if you do it around your kids or not, the enemy's going to use it to plant a seed in your, in your family. Yeah. So the open door was basically us putting God on the back burner while just kind of opening the door for whatever would walk in. Right. And what ended up walking in was pride, alcoholism, you know, lust. Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who is facing this temptation from the enemy right now? Well, I mean, it's, you know, this, if you have any spiritual side to you or you've been raised, you know, in church, you know, you know, when temptation arises, you know, a lot of people that's just out in the world and completely lost, they might see temptation as opportunity. You know, it's, you know, it's, that's not, you know, either, either way it's temptation. But, you know, you know, when I come to terms with looking at God and looking at the enemy or Satan, you know, I, there was, I mean, God's for us. He mm-hmm. does nothing to harm us. Yeah. You know, everything that he gives us costs nothing. And, you know, I, that, that, that's what I finally came to realize is that everything that Satan has to offer in temptation or anything he has to offer, it's always going to cost us in the end. We got to pay the price for what he offers us. And on the flip side, everything God asks of us or offers us, He's already paid the price for, mm-hmm. you know, it might cause us to have to sacrifice sometimes or to give sometimes when we don't feel like we have it to give, but it never goes without void when mm-hmm. you're doing it for God. You know, he's always somehow going to reward you whether here on earth or in heaven, but you know, Satan has nothing to offer us at all yeah. that we're not going to pay a, a really bad price for. You know, might have pay a price. We feel like we got to pay a price sometimes when God asks us things, but it's still always going to come out for our good. And on when the enemy asks something of us or offers us something, we're going to pay a price. Okay. You know, it could be with our life, mm-hmm. our family. You know, it's, it's going to be yep. something that's going to destroy. Yeah. So there's always that, a cost. Yeah. I know sometimes, well, most of the time, when the enemy brings a temptation around, um, it looks like maybe you could possibly get away with it. Right. But the price tag is always hidden. Because death and death will always surface. Yeah. It always surfaces. Every, everything that has been hidden in our lives on both sides has always come out. It's always been exposed. Sometimes it was quickly. Sometimes it took a little bit of time, but I believe in God's mercy. That's why he brings things out. What would you say to a wife that has a husband who's been unfaithful and she's struggling with that? Um, I think to the woman that is in this situation right now, I would want to say that, that God sees you, that he's with you, that it's not your fault. And I know that sometimes words feel empty, but I hope you can connect with our story 
and that you can feel the truth in the words that we've been sharing. So many times I felt left and abandoned by God, just like my husband, but that was only a lie of the enemy. And I would just want to encourage you that if you are the wife on the other side of this, where maybe your husband is being unfaithful, that you are not alone. You have a God who loves you. He loves you so much. He collects every tear you have, every tear that tells you just how precious our tears are. And I just want to say that God loves marriage. He is for marriage. The enemy is the one who kills, stills, and destroys, not God. God didn't walk away from us. We walked away. So how could we blame him? It's like blaming the drug for being an addict. You know what I mean? So I really hope, I really hope that this has encouraged you guys a little bit. We just dove a little bit into betrayal. Um, Of course, there's more that we are going to say about this later. I just want to encourage you guys to never quit praying for your marriage. Prayer changes things. And we are powerful when we pray and powerless when we don't. Even though you may not see what you're praying for, don't stop. The enemy tries to get us to not pray. And why? Because we're powerful when he do and he knows it. So. Yes, prayer is a huge. Yeah. I think it's one of the turning points in our marriage and our children, our family, as yeah. we start praying, and, you know, praying every day, yeah. and every night with our children, and we pray every day before we, before I leave for work, you know, yeah. and we don't know, sometimes we don't know what prayer is doing behind mm-hmm. the scenes, you know, it's, there could be so many spiritual battles being won because of our prayers, and we don't even realize it, you know, maybe yeah. someday God pull real out and we'll be able to watch it like a movie <laughs> but you know, you know there's so many battles that are won because of our prayers that we don't even know are being won behind the scene so it's a huge yeah. part huge part of our lives right now i know and i think you know when we think back about our story and everything that we walk through i'm sure at one point the enemy thought he had us he had to but he was dead wrong. Everybody else thought he had us, but look at us now. And so we're just going to close out this episode. We just want to thank you guys so much for tuning in and just going on this journey with us. We're going to keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper each week. So um, yeah, just get ready. Put your seatbelts on. Maybe learn how to <laughs> a lot deeper than the night. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe learn how to swim in the deep end of the pool like Brian needs to do. But um, we hope you'll join us next week as we dive even deeper into our redemption story. Until next time, we, we bless you. you.